The following interview took place at the 16th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Miami, Florida, a project of the Rohr Jewish Learning Institute. We hope you enjoy it. We encourage you to visit jretreat.com for information on upcoming retreats. And now a conversation with Saul Dreyer of the Holocaust Survivor Band, interviewed by Mrs. Hadassah Chen. Good day, everybody. I hope you're having a good time. I am so honored to have today this incredible person that actually we just met now. And I am from Italy, and he speaks Italian, <laughs> Mr. Sol Dreyer. And he was in Italy in 1947. And um, I, I, don't, I have no words even, because just by 10 minutes we've been together, I've been already blown away. So I'm just going to pass it over, Mr. Sol Dreyer. Uh, Holocaust survivor, and the, he's going to introduce himself. He told me. Good afternoon. I'm going to speak English because I want you to understand me. <laughs> I, my name is Sal Dreyer. I am 97 years old. I am also the oldest musician among Holocaust survivors almost in the world. I have four children. I have eight grandchildren, and I have three great-great-children. One son, thank you. One son retired. He was, he was a chief pilot in America. He moved to Israel. He took, made Aliyah, and he's teaching English. He's got a baby that was born two and a half years ago. His name's Ariel. And I, I, I saw them this year. I went to the, first I went to the Bris, but after that, this year, but two months ago, I flew to Israel because I had a big concert in Poland. So I stopped in Israel, I saw my son, I saw the baby, I'm very proud of it. And so I tell you something, what happened to me in Israel? I have good friends in Israel, as a matter of fact, in Jerusalem, in Beth Shemesh. I had a concert in Beth Shemesh two years ago, so I made friends. I was this time, I was driven without me knowing to a base. I can't even mention which one. And they surprised me. There were old soldiers there and in an orchestra and I was playing with them. This gave me so much courage. This gave me so much life. You can imagine. Thank you. Let's start a bit from the beginning so people can even appreciate more the greatness of your story. And I'm going to start it by showing you two spoons. And if I do like this, well, those spoons got a history. I got them in my box and my pouch here. When the war finished, no, when the war started, I went to concentration in three concentration camp. I was first in Krakow. I was born in Krakow, Poland. I was I was in concentration camp in Plaszow. And also, I was in concentration camp by Schindler. And also, 
after this, I was in concentration camp in Mauthausen, and I was liberated in Linz. But something happened with me in, uh, in, uh, Schindler's, in Schindler's factory. Over there, we were sleeping, and we were living together. Women separate, and men separate in the same concentration camp. We had, we had Jewish people working in the, in the Schindler's factory, but there were three factories. Was the Schindler's factory, there was a factory by name MKF, where I was working, we were repairing radiators for the, for the uh, Messerschmitt, for the German Messerschmitt, and also there was a mill that were coding Lombard to send to Plaschow to build the barracks for the new people they were bringing from all over Europe. Now, I was together in one, in one barrack with David Verdiger, if you know who he was. That's Amardecham and David's father. He was born in Krakow, he was my friend, but after we came to America, I, I, I spoke to him one or twice, but a few years ago, their children, he's got four boys, he, he's no more here with us, uh, they, they had a memorial for him, and I was invited, the, the, a guest in the, the Battery, uh, Battery Museum in Manhattan. Now, every day we came from work, we didn't have no food. We were, How old were you, Saul? I was, I was, uh, the, I was born, uh, uh, I was 19, uh, 14 years old when the war broke up, so I must have been 15 and a half, something like that, being in space by Schindler, or you're 16 years old. Okay. Uh, David was a couple years older than me, and he started to sing every time we came from work. And the boys, everybody around him started to help him, and he was, composing all kind of Yiddish songs. And I, I was, he was down, I was on the porch above him, uh, on the bed above him. And he sung, and he sung day, two days, three days. And I said, something was missing. So, and I was thinking, what I do? I didn't know what to do, but I was listening. I had a friend who was a Polish man. He was working in the same factory, and he's helping me a lot alive. I think because of him, maybe I'm still alive here today, but I don't know. God knows. Anyway, he, uh, I saw him, so I said to him, Stanislav, you have to help me. I had an old piece of wooden spoon, so the soup they were giving us, I couldn't eat. I said, Stanislav, you have to bring me a spoon. So he says, all right, you're going to go to my locker, because he, every Friday I had a piece of bread there, a piece of chicken, whatever he could bring from the house, he was giving me. And I saw two spoons, and I took him. When I got the two spoons and we went to sing, I says, I have to figure something out. And I did. So I'm gonna show you what I did. I, got, I looked for those spoons. I looked for those spoons many, many years. Finally, when I was playing two years ago in Bet Shemesh in Israel, I found the spoons in a house that I was sleeping over, a friend of mine who brought me to Israel. He was from South Africa. He was David Fenster. He gave me those spoons, and they look exactly the way my Polish friend brought me to the concentration camp. So I show you what I did. 
microphone in front of me. David died while they were singing and we were accompanying him. And I, I clap. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, after the war, I was moved to a DP camp in Italy. And I was there five years before I came to the United States. So we were all young, right when, uh, when we were liberated, was picked up by the Jewish brigade that was fighting together with the English in Austria. They, load, they went to another city, to Salzburg. They load up all the young children that survived the war, throw us on the trucks, and brought us over down to the end of, of, uh, of Italy, near Bari, Barletta, Santa Maria de Bani, there was all displaced person came. This lady gonna understand it because she's from there. Anyway, uh, being there, we were on a camp, we didn't have nothing to do. So one morning, we had an English commander who was running the camp. We were all young children, married, uh, some of them got married, some of them became the single, but the majority we were single children. I was 18 years old, or 18 and a half, something like that. Anyway, uh, the, one morning they brought a set of drums and a, and, a, and a piano. And the commander came at evening, we used to gather, sing, dance, and says, who gonna play the piano? So one fellow volunteer right away, he was there with his wife, he was a survivor from Yugoslavia. Then nobody wanted to play the drums, to learn how to or play the drums. So I volunteered to play the drums. So since then, I was sitting and playing the drums for two years in Italy, in the displaced person came. But what happened, every time I play with him, the children, we all were dancing, singing, he felt like this on the piano, and I got scared. I didn't know what, at that time, if that he had, uh, uh, how you say it? That you fall, you know, you, 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 oh my God, I'm telling you, I'm getting sinai. You faint? <laughs> no. Epilepsy. He had epilepsy. I didn't know what it was. So when, uh, when he fell on the piano, I started yelling, give out, give out. So the wife came in, she did something, and she woke him up, and we continued playing. <laughs> and this is a true story. And I played like this for a year, year and a half, till uh, maybe longer, till I got papers from America from my uncle who survived in, in, the, United, uh, in the United States. He, came, he was a young man. And he found me the newspaper. I was, I was putting my name in the newspaper that I'm looking for family. Uh, I had a family of 25 people. Everybody perished. Only I'm still alive. But I'm going to tell you also another situation. You don't mind or you want to ask me questions? No, you are amazing. I tell you another situation. After 67 years, I found out a cousin in Montreal. She was liberated on the Schindler's List. Her mother passed away. I was looking for her for 67 years and couldn't find her. But what happened? Because she got married, she went to Israel. Her name was Weinberg. Finally, we found out 
that she's alive. She was coming for winter time to Florida, where I live now. And we, uh, she was coming by airplane, and I was found by the Red Cross. So the Red Cross put together a whole reunion. I had there maybe eight, eight uh, television, everything. And she is still alive, except I can't see her. She's bl completely blind, and she lives in Montreal. She's three years younger than me. This is my father's brother, a child, who, was, who perished in Auschwitz. My parents perished. My mother perished in Majdanek. My father, with my, grand, my, my sister, perished in Belgium. The rest of the family, I don't know what happened, where, what, and why. One uncle, this uncle I'm talking about, perished in, in Auschwitz. So, you have lived many lives. Correct. We have well, I'm a double Holocaust survivor. I had cancer 30 years ago, and, and I survived the concentration camp. So, I feel... Big like this next to you, no, you don't. and I'm big. You put, I, I, I tell you a situation, folks, that I, I don't, I don't want to brag about it, but I tell you what happened. My wife passed away seven years ago. Just before my wife passed away, I, uh, I saw on the computer in the morning, I saw an essay about a woman by name Somers. This woman was 106 years old. She was a piano player, and she survived, survived Theresienstadt. You know what Theresienstadt was? It was a concentration camp, but was also a propaganda from the Nazi. You know, the, anybody came from the outside Germany, from, from America, from all over, diplomats, they brought them there, shown how the Jews are living. They were dressed, they had the orchestra, and she was playing piano. She survived. She moved to Israel. And she, the, her husband perished, but the, her son was the, also survived. Her son is a very pronounced cello player, and she was playing piano. So she moved back to London. There's a book about her, and she was playing every afternoon in London on piano. And I wrote, I, re I read on the computer her essay, who she was and everything. And my wife was a little sick. My wife's still alive, so I woke up. My wife and says, Clara, I, got, I tell you something, what happened to me? She says, what? I read the computer. I found a woman. She's 106 years old, and I would like to do something in memory for her. So I, says, so then I, uh, and I said, I came with an idea. So I says, what? So she says to me, what kind of idea? So I say, listen, I'm going to put together a Holocaust survivor band in her name. So my wife says, Bismishige. <laughs> this was on a Thursday. Uh, Friday night, I'm going to the synagogue. We have Davin, after the Davin, talking to the rabbi. My rabbi was a son of a Holocaust survivor, too, in Florida. So I said, Rabbi Henry, I have to ask you something. I go, Tell me if you can help me. And I told him the same story I told my wife. So he said, with the accent, Sal, you're 89 years old. What do you need that for? You're retired. You got a wife. She doesn't feel good. Bismishige. Him too to me. I was very disappointed. 
those Shabbos I left at go, everything quiet. Sunday, Monday morning, I picked myself about a mile where I live is a big chain store, Sam Ash, they're selling all kind of musical instruments. I went out, I took a blank check and bought myself a beautiful, you're going to see it today, a beautiful uh, 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 drums with everything. You're going to see him later, I'm going to be playing here. Drums. If you're going to be there, I don't know. Anyway, I bought the, the drums and I come home. My wife at that time was with a noise already, with a eight. I come upstairs, so my wife says, where were you? I said, well, I went a little shopping. I said, shopping? You, you spent two hours? Where were you? She says, my wife, I tell you the truth. I brought you a little present. She says, yes, could I see it? Yes, well, you have to come downstairs. It, it's big. It's in the car. So what happened? My wife wasn't lazy, a small one. She was a Holocaust survivor. She, she takes the, the, goes down. And when I bought the drums, the drums were packed in, a, uh, in boxes. They have to, in the store, unpack it. My, I had a small Lexus. I pushed here a piece, there a piece, the top a piece to the trunk. Somebody had, my body, I had just room to drive the wheel and push the, push the pedal. And I talked to myself, here goes very famous Holocaust survivor musician, a band leader. I didn't know what I, I was talking to myself. I come home, my wife comes downstairs and looks. So she said, what's this? I said, oh, I give out. She starts to hear like this, either you go or the drums go. <laughs> oh, this, I got very, very disappointed. Uh, but I went in. And I promised my wife that, that, that the drums won't come to the house. I put in a storage. She didn't want it. She saw the, bam, the drums. She does everything. She couldn't comprehend. But what I did, I went back to my rabbi and said, the Rabbi, I would run to I would like my, uh, our shul was shul separate. And we had a big room like this that we could sit by 500 people with a bima. And he was doing this for, uh, for bar mitzvahs, for weddings. So I said, Rabbi Henry, could I rent this place? He says, why not? What do you want to do? So I said, Rabbi, I want to have a concert. I, I went in and looked for Holocaust survivors, looked for musicians. Somehow I put together eight musicians, and I told them I'm going to pay him because those people have to make a living. And I said, Rabbi, what are you going to do for me with, this, with the hall? He says, Sal, you have to understand, you're going to have to have a sound man, going to cost electric, after you fish, we're going to have to clean it up, but I would like to know how much you're going to charge your ticket. So he says, Rabbi, I'm going to charge nothing. We're going to let people for nothing. He says, what? Where are you going to get the money to do everything? I said, Rabbi, we have to buy tickets, sell tickets. So I said, Rabbi, I'm not famous. If I'm going to sell tickets, nobody's going to show up. But if you're going to say it's free, everybody's going to show up. And this is what happened. I made that for free. I had 500 people. People were outside. They couldn't come no more because the hall was full. And we started the first Holocaust Survivor event. We were hit. After this, yeah. But I didn't finish. 
after this, after this, a rabbi from, uh, from uh, yeah, they, uh, they write about us in the newspaper, in the New York Times, and a rabbi from Miami saw it and called me up and, and told me, Mr. Dreyer, I would like your band should call, play for Sukkis in Rabbi Lipske uh, uh, Shul sure. on 96th Street in Collins Avenue. I heard as I said, Mom and get trying, God is upstairs and take care of me. So what happened? I, put, I went, he says, so uh, I went and we made, we prepared for the synagogue, uh, for the Sukkot uh, concert. You know, in, in Rabbi Lipsky's synagogue, if you go in, on top is a big room, but has got no, uh, no roof. So they made it a sicky from it, you know, put the, uh, put the, but, but every, the right. and everything. And we're preparing everything. I unpacked my drums, my musicians. I got the, I got the trumpet player. I got the saxo. I got everybody. All of a sudden, it's Florida. Soon you turn around, start to rain. That was pathetic, terrible. So they, the parents, so we grab everything and run to the room. There was a next door room like this, and we set up. On the stage, I had 10 people on the stage. My drum didn't fit. It was so bad. But we put together, there were, you know, men separate, women separate. There was singing, dancing. And after we finished, we're starting to pack in. A woman comes to me by name Margolius. She lives in Brooklyn. And she said, Mr. Dreyer, I would, would you give me your card? So I had, a, you know, a, uh, my business card, and I handed it to her. She says, you're going to hear from us, like this, a few days later. Fine, what happened? A few days later, a man is calling us who lives in William Island, Williams Island. He says, I, I put together a gathering in Miami, in, in, uh, in Las Vegas, we would like you to come and play with us to be the anchorman for Dudu Fisher. Wow. <laughs> Sound dry, Dudu Fisher. I don't know uh, what he's got. One thing I have got out of my life. <laughs> I took my partner who plays accordion, and I took myself and his daughter, and they flew us to Miami, to Las Vegas, and we were... Uh, we were together with Dudu Fisher. Uh, uh, we were playing in the Venetian Hotel for, what's his name, Sheldon uh, Edelman. But what happened, it was a Friday night, uh, we davened after we had dinner. Uh, dinner, Shabbos in the morning, uh, we go to the synagogue in Venetian. Uh, do, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Dudu Fisher davened uh, massive. After missive, he comes to me. He says, South Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, you baby, in the theater, we have to have our rehearsal me with, with you, with Ruby, because we wanna, I want to play with you guys. So fine. Sunday morning, got I went downstairs. Uh, I went to the hall, to the theater, and they practicing and practicing, and do the fish and get crazy because they hired an orchestra in Las Vegas, did know nothing about klezmer, nothing. So they practice and practice, and I sit there, I sit there with my, with my uh, draw, uh, alone in my uh, accordion playing his daughter, in my guitar player. And I go to Dudu, Dudu. I said, Dudu, what do you want to do? 
He says, Sal, you go, relax. We're going we're gonna to play tonight without the rehearsal. I don't know what we're going to play, how we're going to play, where we're going to play. I know from nothing. I said, Ruby, let's go, lay down. Come the time, we're going to the, to the uh, theater. There's a whole orchestra sitting there, maybe 20 musicians. And a guy with the drums. And I come, I do the uh, Fisher is there behind the thing uh, in the dressing room. I said, what shall I do? You, you tell the guy to walk from the drums away. You sit down by the drums. And Ruby should have the accordion and the guitar play. I'm going to join you. So we came on the stage full with people, maybe 800 people in the audience. Venetian Hotel, and, and, what, and what happened? In the front is sitting a, a Miriam, a Sheldon's wife. You know, he passed away already. Right. And uh, I noticed her. I don't know who he was. I never saw the man in my life. And we sat down. I sat down by the drums from the, from the drummer. Uh, he sat down and, uh, playing the accordion, my, my friend, uh, Ruby, and his daughter, and my... And my a Holocaust survivor from London, a guitar player. He walks and takes a, takes a bar chair, sit down, and he says, you wait for me. I'm going to start, and you're going to follow me. And he started to sing, Bells, mein Stadtale Bells, you know the song. And ladies and gentlemen, we got a, a standing ovation. And, at that time, at that time, I became a celebrity. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you another story. After we finished our act, we were anchored. We came downstairs, there were chairs. There was a chair between Sheldon, a chair between Miriam, and Miriam with, with her, one son was there, or bo I don't remember who was there, I don't remember. I come in and sit down between, between next to Sheldon, Sheldon Edelman. So he asked me, Mr. Dreyer, how old are you? At that time, I was 92 years old. A so little boy. 92 years old. So he turns to his wife. He says, Miriam, look at this. The man is 92 years, was on the stage, was playing uh, on the drums. I'm 80, 82 and I can walk. <laughs> so she said, so talk to him. Maybe he helps you. But now I have to jump to another story with me helping. Two years later, a man from Brooklyn called me up, a Hasidic man. He said, Mr. Dreyer, I would like to come with my wife to your house interview me, like this lady. You know, I have got no secrets. I, uh, I'm a, a push it a man. You understand, understand, push it? Nor I'm a normal person, you understand? I said, come to my house. He flew to, he flew to Miami, he called me up, he came to my house, brought, sat down with his wife, and started asking me questions, the same question this lady is asking me here. And everything was all right. He filmed me a little bit and a little camera, he left home. Six months later, I get a phone call from him. He said, Mr. Dreyer, you, you're going to play in Miami, again, in a sukkah, in a private house, with somebody that plays, plays uh, a keyboard, 
and he's the chief of rabbi of the, uh, of the Florida State Police. I says, I'll give out what's going on here. I took the job. I took the job only me, without nobody, only that he wanted that me and set of drums. I came there, and came there, men separate, women separate, in the house, beautiful sukkah, decorated. A Hasidim came, young people, couples came. And all of a sudden, the woman with the husband that came to my house, interviewed me, were there, because he arranged that everything. I'm playing a couple, uh, a couple songs with him. He plays on the, on the keyboard, I play my drums, and two boys play guitars. We had a wonderful time. Finally, we finish. The woman that was in my house with the husband comes to me. He says, Mr. Dreyer, I would like to talk privately with you. I said, well, you better thank your husband with you. I said, definitely. She said, definitely. And we went to our room. She says, Mr. Dreyer, you have to do something for us. You see us, all religious people, we all believe in the Holocaust survivors. If you could, you, if you could survive a Holocaust, you, you, you people are saints. You know? She told me that. So I said, what do you want me to do? Mr. Dreyer, I want you to bench me. And my husband, I got a sick child in, the, in, in Brooklyn. The grandmother is watching him. I have to come here for, for business. What could you do for me? Ladies and gentlemen, I never benched nobody. I didn't even know how to start. So I said, tell me your Jewish name. You tell me your Jewish name. And I said, Sheikh Yuni, the Kimuni, but as man has it, I mentioned their name, and, the, the, and I mentioned in Hebrew, the child should, give, should get well. That's it. We went home. We, everything was done. Everything was, she was satisfied. I had a cousin. I was playing with Get Elbas, a big concert in Brooklyn, in, uh, in the King's Theater. And what's his name? Uh, he came... Uh, 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 I was playing with some. Uh, I was playing a, a piece. Get Elbas invite. They invited me to play okay. with them. I was there. So, uh, so after during the time, uh, I brought my cousin and let her in. The one that is blind now and make sure she lives all. She was live, living that time in Brooklyn, and I bring her to the to the concert. And I I let her in. And I didn't know where she was sitting. So what happened, my partner was with me, the accordion guy, so we had an intermission. So I got off the dressing room of the stage, and I want to see where my cousin is. As I'm walking, there may be eight girls are after me, and start to, after me and Ruby, and start asking me, could you bench us, we want to get married. <laughs> To me, I'm this is a true story. I'm not making something out from the chemo. It's a true story. So I said, Ruby, what do you want to do? He said, you, you, know, you talk, and I'm going to say the name. Somehow, we benched the eight girls. Everything was all right. We're back. We play. Everything big. Two months ago, three months ago, my cousin calls me up. And she said, how you feel, how I feel, you know. I, I said, could you tell me? Yeah. I was benching them in front of my, uh, of, I found my cousin, so front of her, you know, on the aisle, there you go 
to the seat. So my cousin said, I said, Louis, uh, Sulamit, tell me something. What happened to the eight girls that I, that I benched? You heard about them? Oh, Saul, you make that uh, some mitzvah. I said, what's the mitzvah? Six got married and two going steady. <laughs> Honest to God. So, you, know, you know, folks, I, I made a film with my, with my ex-partner. The film name is Sound Ruby to Life. And we won first place in the Jewish Film Festival. We won in Miami. We won in Atlanta, Georgia. We won in Dallas, Texas. We won in, in Moscow, Russia. In Poland, we came the third, and we won in New Zealand. First place with our, uh, with our, thank you. It took two and a half years to film. At that time, my wife was alive. We was kind of said, if anybody wants to see it, you call Amazon and ask for Holocaust, uh, Saul and Ruby to life, Holocaust survivor band. And it's five dollars. It eight, takes 82 minutes. After whatever we won the first place was was taken there because we had to have a concert after that. So in Dallas, they found me there. Well, I was there on time when Dallas they have at conventional children five and a half thousand children. So, but they met me there and they want me to. Place. So I put together a young, a young Dorvudor band of, of Jewish boys and girls in, in, the, in Florida. And I went with them to Dallas. We were playing for five and a half thousand children from all over the world. And all of a sudden, the COVID came. So what happened with your wife? Was she happy with the band, with the drums in the end? Oh, my wife was very happy. I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> After we finished the first concert, so she sits, came with her girlfriend. My daughter came also. So she makes, you see, I was on the, on the bima, and she was in the first row. So makes to me like this. So I come there. I come. What's the matter? Sal, I'm living with you for 50 years, one years. I didn't believe that you are a celebrity. <laughs> My wife, she wanted to throw me back with the drums. She didn't want to hear about it. Well, listen, everything is life. Thank God. I feel good. I play. And what I did in the last, last year, I opened a foundation. I had to open in Poland because I got somebody there that helped me a lot. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, this person helped me to, uh, to be alive. I, I had three strokes in Las Vegas. No, with Dudu Fischer, when I came uh, to Las Vegas to play two years later already, I had orchestra and everything. And this woman went with, uh, with, uh, with took her to Las Vegas with us. She was sitting in hospital for three days till I got good. So I promised her, whatever happens, she's a young woman, I said, whatever happened, I'm going to help you as much as you can. Well, she came back to Poland. She was working for a foundation. And the foundation very successful. The foundation called itself 
the Mac McDonald's Foundation, maybe you heard about that, the, the hamburgers, they building buildings next to hospitals where children are being cured. So they build up already two buildings that make me a honorary, honorary member. They got one in Krakow, they got one in Warsaw, and one they want to build now in Gdańsk. Now, uh, the, there's a man who is one of the biggest swimmers in Poland, and he swam the La Manche, and he swam now a big, big uh, lake. Now he's coming to Manhattan to swim around Manhattan, and the money that they're going to make go for the foundation. And he wants me to, so I promise him I'm going to be with him in Manhattan the whole time. His wife sits in a boat, she feeds him, and, uh, and he swims, and it's very, very good swimmer. We became very friendly, and, uh, and we're gonna, looks like we're going to gather right now in, uh, in, in here in, uh, in New York, probably in October, he's going to swim. So? Yes. We have 10 minutes left. Yeah, I got a good one for but 10 minutes. Exactly. I want to get, I mean, there's so much, but I just want to ask you two questions. Firstly, my, one of my questions you just answered because I asked you, what's your next life? I see that you already well, have plans. Well, next life, I, I tell you the truth. I'm very much involved in the foundation. The foundation names is in the, my name, Sal's, Sal's uh, uh, Legacy Foundation. And uh, I was just came back from Poland. There's one little city near Warsaw. The, uh, the name is Groz Mazowiecki. And they hired two orchestras. One was an orchestra that played them. The people that are from Poland, that I'm very friendly, make me a surprise 94th birthday party in the Jewish Museum in Warsaw. And this orchestra was playing for me. So this orchestra, there's a city where the mayor of the city is love the Jews and love everybody. In this city, those 90% Jewish li people living and nobody survive. They're living the city, but they had the businesses and everything in Warsaw. So around the corner from Warsaw, five minutes or 10 minutes. What's five. the foundation for? Big band. What's the foundation for? My foundation uh, does three things. Yeah. First of all, helps Holocaust survivors. Okay. Second of all, helps people that are mentally sick. Wow. And third, we, we, we're putting together three schools and young people with all the people like me, younger, Holocaust survivor, whoever wants to associate with, with you. And the most important one is I am ag and we all are against anti-Semitism. Amazing. That's why my more important thing. Because when, whenever I come, I say, never again, never again. Never again, because, because what we went through, people, you don't know. And I hope, I hope, and I pray to God. I was, I was in Poland now. I went to Przemysl. There's a city where the people from, uh, from Ukraine are coming through and running away. And I, I saw some Jewish people that was crying. I didn't believe it. I saw it with my own eyes. Why? Because next, next, next door, the name of the city is Radimno. My father was born there, and I wanted to see the city. So I went there. From there, I went to Przemysl. I go on the station, train station. I didn't believe what was going on. It was just where people, where they were 
two months when the war started and people were running away. So many Jews, my friend, is, uh, do, uh, does a lot of things in Poland for the, for the righteous, you know. And, and they gathered the Jewish people and they all went to Israel. Unbelievable. Now, I tell you one more story and it's going to be the end. I was interviewed on a Zoom with a woman uh, that we were showing the film in the Silicon Valley near San Francisco. The woman is a Holocaust survivor's daughter. And I didn't know, didn't know how she didn't know me. I saw her only on television in my house, and she saw me on tel and I'm in the computer in her house. And she said, Mr. Dreyer, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, among the 5,000 Jewish girls and boys that was born after the war in Benge Belzen. My father passed away, but I, I was living in New York. My husband was transferred to Silicon Valley. He's an engineer. We have two children, but I'm looking and I want to find my heritage. Listen to this story. And she talks to me, I says, lady, could you tell me for your name? She told me the name after the husband. I said, could you tell me your maiden name? She says, yes. I says, uh, your husband was born where? She says, in Krakow. I says, yes. Could you tell me what was, was, was his name? She says, his name was Mechel Chapnik. So I, I almost fell down on, on the floor. He was my best, bo best friend. My neighbor, we went to Haider and went to, uh, went to school together. Listen to this, when a, when a, 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 uh, how you call it, a mountain one mountain never going to meet together. But personal meeting together, people see each other. It's unbelievable. And she interviews me, and she, after the interview, we finish, and she's in touch with me. I'm, I'm flying on the 19th of October to... Uh, San Francisco, they're going to pick me up. I'm going to stay in uh, Silicon Valley. They prepare three schools. I'm going to speak to three uh, uh, high school children, three different schools in San Francisco and in, and in, uh, uh, and in Silicon Valley. And I'm going to have a concert, the Haidach Orchestra. They, they rented for me the drums. They're paying all my expenses. They just want to see me. So I'm, I promised her I want to go back home. She said, oh, no, you're going to stay six weeks in my house. And I, I agreed. So I'm going to Silicon Valley. I'm, going, I'm leaving on the 19th of October. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be back on the 26th. You're a young boy. You still have so much ahead. And I just look at you and I get so much that I, I, have, I have now to live and I don't know what. You, you inspired me. Please visit myjli.com to learn more about JLI's multiple educational offerings and toracafe.com to view highlights and lectures from past retreats.